Hello and welcome to the Optional Podcast, episode number 203 for the week of April 13th, 2020. The Optional Podcast is a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment recorded each week from New York City and bounced around cables and satellites all around the world. And right into your listening device of choice, as always, I'm Paul Tamayo and I'm here with my co-host, Cam Brewster. And we're back again. Uh, wow. What do you mean again? This is the first time. This no, I mean here. for this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're back um, again for this week um yeah true. man how, how's it how you been how you how have you been i'm good man you know trying to cope with quarantine but got nothing but time and games and a whole bunch of different activities there's someone outside bumping music for us so we have some background noise here we go some some ambience i had to close um, my window because there was like a biker gang driving down the bus dude, <laughs> they're I don't know if y'all could hear that. It's really loud. But <laughs> either way, uh, we today we're joined, this week we're joined by uh, a forever colleague of mine, friend and comrade, uh, Tom Caswell. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Definitely a comrade. Uh, hey, everyone. How's everyone doing? Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, Paul and I go, uh, as we've discovered, quite a way back at this point, uh, almost <laughs> two years. And um, yeah, it's good to be here. And uh yeah, I'm excited uh, to record with you guys. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, we we go back to the uh, Univision days, back when uh, it wasn't even Geo Media; it was no. GMG proper stuff. I refuse to call it Geo Media, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, you could Geo fuck next. yourself. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I talk to people uh, when I like go in for jobs or I do any work or anything. And I'm like, yeah, I've worked for such and such, such and such, Geo Media. And they'll be like, what's Geo Media? I'm like, GMG. And they're like, oh, Gorka, old Gorka shit. And I was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I usually, those were the days. Yeah, I know. I, I never thought I'd miss Univision. Shout out to uh, Jorge Ramos. Um, <laughs> yeah, that guy's yeah, cool. It's, he's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard he's cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what you do, um, you know, with your stream, and you're also on a podcast too, so yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I am on a very kind of similar podcast uh, to what you guys do, where we kind of talk about games and also other shit that we're interested in. I assume we can swear on this podcast. Oh, you're fucking Beautiful. right. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> fucking A. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so I am one of the hosts of the Unranked podcast, uh, so the other hosts are Christian Tuna and Dan, and then myself. Um, Tuna, Dan, and Chris go like way back to childhood, and Chris and I used to work together. He's a forever colleague of mine, I guess, actually, as well. We used to work together back in uh, Apple at uh, the Apple Store in Delaware. And oh, um, yeah, he brought me on after like 10 episodes, and now we're just a little bit ahead of you guys, around 214 episodes. Hell yeah, that flex bomb, which I now know <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have sound effects, so yeah. fair warning. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we've been recording, doing that for about four years now. Um, we have a nice little audience, so please uh, consider go checking uh, that out. It is a rambunctious podcast, let's just put it that way. And then we have a Discord and everything attached to that. It's all in the show notes, so if you find the podcast, it's a part of that. Um, and yeah, so I used to do video work for Gizmodo Media Group um, and now do a lot of freelancing. Um, I'm actually in uh, taking a break right now from shooting a project under quarantine <laughs> for a client. Um, uh, so that is uh, it's been it's been rough the quarantine with having to having projects just in general. But I've been making it work, 
Uh, and then uh, aside from all of that, I stream on Mixer. So my handle on pretty much every platform, if you want to add me on Twitter or if you want to add me on any of the gaming platforms, uh, it's Great Britom, uh, like Great Britain, but instead of Tun, it's Tom. And mm. that is also my Mixer channel. Uh, and I just started streaming on there a little under a month ago. And yeah, currently playing Call of Duty Warzone, playing some Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we'll talk about later, playing yeah. some Animal Crossing when I'm feeling for those chill vibes. And oh, yeah. yeah, so the, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Nice, man. Yeah, I've also like really appreciated, I talked about it on a previous episode, but like your your general aesthetic, like you showed me some of the illustrations that you have now, animations for your Mixer mixer page. So um, yeah, man, it's been really cool. It's also been like pretty inspiring because I've also been getting into like the streaming game a little bit more yeah. now that I have time and, you know, the energy to do it. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's been really cool to see how, how you know, your Mixer channel has been sort of taken off. It's, I, it's really cool to see. Th- thank you so much. I um, I honestly don't know if I would have done it if I didn't have the availability for those animations and kind of graphic package that I've put together. Uh, my very, very, very wonderful girlfriend, who if you would like to go follow her, uh, her uh, Instagram is uh, Brooke Pelzinski, P-E-L-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Um, underscore art she has i mean she's just one of the most talented artists that i've ever seen and i'm very fortunate to date her uh and also uh abuse her abilities to make art for my own mixer channel (laughs) there you Um, go it's part of it's part of the contract yeah so yeah exactly exactly she i've shot videos for her before so um and yeah so she i knew that i wanted to bring her art on because it's very much unlike anything you've seen in any of the you know any any streaming world i think it's uh, i like to say it's very rugrats inspired um yeah. and so that is kind of the vibe i went for and we're con go ahead sorry cam no i was saying that, that's dope i'm sorry oh thanks man no no worries man uh it is dope thank you very much and uh yeah so that is the aesthetic and we're constantly so right now it's april obviously it's actually easter we're recording on easter so there's kind of like a whole easter uh vibe to it right now so we're going to be updating that as like events and seasons happen kind of like animal crossing actually uh um, nice yeah so i really appreciate uh you're you know you guys liking it and i've definitely found people just kind of stumbling across the mixer and being like following and being like this is such a cool like they don't they're not even following for me or the the gameplay they're following for the vibe and the layout and yeah yeah it's been yeah. great that's awesome man it's it's so true though like we talked a little bit about it i think last week but so many of the um excuse me for the uh siren in the background but it's a pandemic what can you do um <laughs> they're uh they're right. You're right. It's like it's a general aesthetic to game streams with like very, you know, gamer hardware aesthetic focused style things. And I've always like, I don't know, I've never really been attracted to that sort of Apex Legends style user interface sure. um, in general. And like, I've also been still slowly but surely getting through Doom Eternal, but it also has a lot of that same vibe of like very hard edges and, you know, just the same color palettes and stuff. So it is nice to just like make a make room for yourself and and attract people with just something different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh that's 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 I just didn't want it to I wanted it to stick out among, you know, if you're scrolling through featured streams or just anyone streaming channels and you're seeing a bunch of, you know, thumbnails, I wanted it to really stick out 
Um, and so far, it's uh, seemed to, yeah, really been paying off. So nice. come I wonder, check it out um, if you guys want to see it. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, uh, like, what made you go to Mixer? Um, yeah, like, uh, it's super interesting. It's, yeah, so it's a number of things. So um, we were streaming under the Unranked podcast on Twitch for a while. And that was really great. Like, uh, we have a bigger following on Twitch than I currently do on Mixer. Um, hopefully after this episode airs, that'll change. <laughs> but what basically what happened was is the, the biggest push was we, you know, there's four of us. And one of the things is we play a lot of Halo together. And one of the cool things that Mixer, you can do on Mixer that you can't do on Twitch unless you're a partner. They added this feature like way, way later. But yeah, it's partner exclusive on Twitch. Um, but you can have co-streams. So mm-hmm. we can have everyone's viewpoint up at once. So if if one of my teammates does like a sick move and they don't see it through my stream, they can they can go to their their screen and view their 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 gameplay, and you can have up to four simultaneous game streams happening at once. So that was a really big drive for me. On top of that, um, I'm a guy that really likes to uh, make connections with companies. And I already have kind of a working relationship with Microsoft because of the podcast. And I just thought, well, with Xbox Series X launching in the fall, I want to strengthen that relationship that I have with Microsoft. And if I bring my stream to the, stream to their platform and like build a community on their platform, when it comes to talking about doing content for Series X in the fall, fingers crossed that that's still a thing, um, then we could then I would have a kind of stronger relationship with them. And then vice versa, I'm not having to deal with, um, I'm not having to deal with two companies. I'm not have to, having to deal with Microsoft when it comes to creating content for them. And I'm not having to deal with Twitch when I uh, need to co- be collaborating with them. It's just one company. I'm just c- kind of consolidating all of that into one uh, focus. And then the other thing was, A, it was easier to stream from an Xbox because we're, very much a predominantly xbox podcast and then the final thing was uh just kind of being a uh, in a smaller pond there are just fewer people on mixer and whilst that means you might not be able to grow to the size of a twitch channel um your visibility on the platform is way larger and you can have a bigger piece of the pie um, especially now with the quarantine, we're seeing with Twitch, their numbers are skyrocketing, but it's becoming such an oversaturated market. And so many people are jumping on right now to stream because they're like, well, that's something that I can do while I'm at home under this quarantine, uh, under this lockdown. And it's just becoming very, very oversaturated. And so as a platform, Mixer just allows you to have a bit more visibility. And so those were kind of all of the things that went together um to drive me to to switch to to mixer yeah that's awesome because i I always feel like i generally get dms from folks i recently opened up my dms but like every once in a while i'll get a question that's like hey like i've been thinking about writing or been you know building some sort of portfolio especially within the like games media space Mm -hmm. and my general advice is always like go to platforms that a have like a pretty buzzing community even if it's a small one but also like do whatever makes the job easier ultimately in the end. Like I know somebody recently was like, should I do WordPress or should I do Medium or should I do whatever? And I haven't written like independently like that for a while. But I mean, even with the podcast, I'm always just like, we moved over to Anchor, shout out to Anchor, the sponsor. Um, And 
it has just made life so much easier on so many different fronts. Like whatever tools and things are easily at your disposal, like that should be what guides your decision. Cause ultimately mm-hmm. in the end, like all the stuff that we were talking about, even like with the illustrations and the cool animations, like that stuff will come later for now. Just focus on the content, like just make really good content. And if like, it's cool to hear that mixer just sort of, nicely fits into all of those gears that you've already been running for a while and there's and you know don't get me wrong uh jumping onto the platform has absolutely there's been some kind of growing pains and things that i'm missing out on for example uh whereas you can't co-stream unless you're a partner you can't clip clips on mixer unless you're Mm. a partner which is kind of frustrating um but i've just i never heavily used that feature on twitch um Currently, I just kind of been making fun little. If you go to my Twitter, I made a fun little kind of recap uh, of my Final Fantasy remake stream that I did on Friday. Um, oh, and that's something I probably should mention. I do giveaways frequently, obviously to boost you know follow followings and viewership. Um, so if you're someone who likes free shit, <laughs> uh, I uh, regularly uh, oblige those uh, those desires. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Mixer offers some things. It also doesn't offer some things. I do think that that interface for kind of building all the metadata is way more, uh, uh, congruent and way more easy to understand and grasp than Twitch's. Twitch's Twitch just has like menus on menus and sub menus and some things you'd think were in one thing and they're in a different bucket. (laughs) And then by the time you've learned basically their new overlay and stuff, they've switched to a new dashboard or whatever. I was just finding so many uh, issues in that regard. Um, Mixer is a little bit less feature heavy than Twitch is other than the exclusive features I already talked about however they it's way more easy to get a grasp and get started so if you're someone who uh, just wants to like dive into streaming that might be the platform uh, of choice because it's it's much easier to kind of get started um, and if you have an Xbox, it's already like baked in and stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. And that that like I said, that was that was very much a big draw because then they my uh, co hosts could just immediately hit start streaming. Like the other day, we were playing Animal Crossing on the stream, and then or Smash Brothers, and then we switched to Halo. And so they plugged in their Xboxes, and then I was like, "All right, if you want to co stream, just go to the quick menu, hit start broadcasting, and then I can add." your stream in from there. So that was that was part of the reason because they're very not technically savvy. They're not doing any streaming involving capturing onto a computer or anything like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I've I've that. been having yeah. a I've been having an absolute blast and it's been so much fun to uh kind of grow on this new platform. Nice, man. That's awesome. Um all right, cool. Let's just jump right into the show. So, uh let's just jump into what we've been playing this week. Um I feel like we should not bury the lead and maybe start <laughs> off with some Final Fantasy VII stuff. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I've been playing. Well, I haven't actually. I'm lying. I have not been playing Final Fantasy VII, but I did buy it yesterday for um, specifically for my partner to play because she's really been looking forward to this game, and she's also definitely the uh, the JRPG fan in this household. Um, whereas I'm sort of like hit or miss with them for the most part, but I also um, don't have so just full disclosure i did not play this game when it originally came out i was like way too <laughs> young to 
understand it. And then I played it like maybe a decade later when I was a teenager, a friend of mine let me borrow it. Shout out to Manny. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Manny let me borrow it. And um, I actually actually wound up liking it. I played it like on a PS2. And, but I don't have that same nostalgic connection to it that a lot of people do, or like maybe had older siblings or cousins or relatives who played it, um, or friends, but yeah, I'm curious to know, uh, Tom, how you feel about Final Fantasy VII so far? Because I've only gotten a, a look at a few things so far. Like mm-hmm. right now, my partner is playing it while I'm recording with headphones in. <laughs> but um, so I have like very little exposure to a lot of it. But I have seen stuff outside of the demo so far that has kind of impressed me. But I'm curious to know what your history is with the with this title in particular, and you know what you think so far about the game itself. I would say that my history is very much probably similar to yours. I imagine you've probably attempted to play Final Fantasy VII the original a couple of times, um, which is how I my history with it has been. Uh, yeah, so I've never really gotten past the opening level um, mm-hmm. or the opening bit of the game in Final Fantasy VII. It's just, it was after my time. I kind of got into gaming late. Uh, my first console was a Dreamcast. Uh, my first real console where I was like a gamer was the PS2. So I never had a PlayStation 1. Uh, I would only play games when I go to like my cousins or my friends. So trying to jump back into Final Fantasy VII, a game that is so indicative of a specific kind of like it's that change into 3D graphics. Um, mm-hmm. It's so obtuse. And I found it very uh, yeah difficult to kind of get my head around. So this is really my first real time playing Final Fantasy VII. I'm not very far into it so far. I would say I've played maybe six to eight hours of the game, which from other people's game clocks is maybe like a quarter of the way through, uh, maybe less. Um, But I, I am simultaneously like amazed and simultaneously kind of like this is just really fun um i think one of the standouts for me is the music um i am in love with it i think it's one of the best yeah. soundtracks so far that i've maybe ever heard it draws inspiration from so many things there are moments where i hear lord of the rings there's moments when i'm hearing star wars there's moments when i'm hearing zelda um just it's like all of the best soundtrack music you have ever heard rolled into one soundtrack Mm. so that for me is kind of the standout and also i think something that the remake from what i've read that does something very much superior to the original um and something that i'm definitely noticing is these characters are just fantastic um the world that they've built the, the way that the characters uh live in that world and the way that they uh their characterizations have developed because of their as someone who's a writer and you know you know thinks they're good at like writing scripts and stuff like it's just so good like cloud as a character is fantastic all of the avalanche team uh members are fantastic all of the people that are in the kind of town that you interact with are fantastically written even just the side characters Mm -hmm. and um so that's another favorite thing and then the combat is uh fucking dope um yeah just mixing going from the kind of uh for lack of a better term hack and slash and then moving into the tactical abilities and spells um portion of the game is awesome and i'm gonna actually compare it to a game that i think has amazing combat uh doom eternal 
which uh, mm. I've played. But one thing that really annoyed me about Doom Eternal was its like upgrade system. Um, for anyone that's played Doom Eternal, you know you could upgrade your guns, you could upgrade yeah. your suit, you could upgrade like you could upgrade your suit, but in two different upgrade systems. There was like four different upgrade systems that are all meant to kind of work together, and they just don't mesh. Um, and also, there were upgrades in Doom that were not as good as others. Like there are ones that are like, clearly far and away the best upgrades you can get, and some that are just like, why would I ever pick this upgrade? And um, all of your upgrades in Final Fantasy VII are very focused. They're all based around the weapons and accessories that you choose and not necessarily your character. And so messing around with upgrading, uh, adding new materia, which is the like spells and abilities and things like that, to your weapon, it- it's a breath of fresh air after coming off of Doom Eternal where... I'm picking up upgrade points and it's like, spend these upgrade points. And I'm like, I don't want to spend them because these upgrades <laughs> suck. Um, so there's a nice little meta game with Final Fantasy VII uh, there. And then on top of that, the game is gorgeous. Uh, the yeah. the graphics, except for um, some of the environmental stuff. Uh, if you uh, play and you go into Cloud's bedroom, like his, the soap dispenser and like the sink is just the it's like looks like it's from the original game so i don't know if (laughs) that was like a little easter egg or whatever but it some of the environmental stuff is really poor but yeah but some but all of the character models um all the main character models i should say are fantastic Um, yeah that's the one thing that really like hit me like the first time just kind of watching this game especially passively is like how gorgeous everything looks especially from afar but yeah there was like a moment where there was a cutscene where cloud goes into his like little apartment or whatever and like the door i was like that's a door not loaded in what the hell's going on <laughs> yeah um but but like the doorknob looked like a little like pentagon just mm-hmm. like a block yep. just on the anyway um but yeah Echoing what you said already, it looks amazing. The combat looks really, really cool and fluid. Very much, uh, very similar to something like Kingdom Hearts, where you kind of move around. It's third person, and you're like, like you mentioned, you're sort of swinging your sword and dodging and rolling. And then when you're switching to any like tactical, uh, tactical mode, as it's called, you can then switch to like your casting spells or using potions. And it sort of does this really clever thing where it basically freezes time for you to just make up your mind, which. Um, yeah, it does it's like it does some interesting things to the rhythm of combat that like makes it both exciting to to do but also like something that doesn't really become overwhelming and gives you the time to like really think about things strategically. But um yeah, the the one thing that I feel like I, yeah, echoing also what you said about like my relationship to this game, I don't have the same affinity for it that I think a lot of folks do, but it does feel like I remember actually being in a Toys R Us as a kid and seeing that poster of the mm-hmm. Final Fantasy yeah. cover art. Yeah. And I've always thought it looked really cool. Yep. And, um, you know, same thing with this game, the way it starts off in the city and everything. It, it definitely feels like what this game, what the original game must have felt like back in 97 when, like, you're like, wow, look at these, like, animated cutscenes and, like, 3D yeah. models and stuff. But it definitely feels like a modern take on it. And in that sense, I feel like as one of the really interesting things about this medium is that you can take you can basically like update that same game with presumably the same maybe even some of the same people that worked on it and stuff obviously like what you mentioned with the music and stuff but it's really cool to see like another take at 
a very higher resed version with better music and better cinematics and like you know hollywood does that but they're essentially like remakes and different interpretations but um it's really cool to like revisit this um world and characters and and like everything really coming together to make something pretty engaging so far i think my yeah. partner is maybe four or five hours in so far at this point and mm-hmm. it is really fun to just watch as a thing in the background and like um yeah, I'm very curious to see where it goes, considering this is part one of two or three entries, I believe, that they're going to split it up into. But, I, I, I think yeah. they're going to milk this uh, as much as they can. I think like this is going to be its own sub-franchise within Final Fantasy. Um, I think there is a chance we see more than three entries. I think we oh, could wow. go up to five. I mean, but that's just based on um, things I've been reading and playing the game i really think that they know that people have such reverence and it's really funny that you mention um like seeing the poster right like final fantasy i this is an article i want to write if uh places open up their freelance budgets again uh (laughs) but uh, (laughs) something that i want to write is that final fantasy i have a nostalgia for it that doesn't actually exist um, Final Fantasy yeah. VII specifically. So booting it up, I found myself getting overwhelmed with emotion, but I've never had any kind of, you know, I kind of imagine it, it must be what's like where, like, maybe Pokemon is something that's always been in your periphery, but you've never played until, like, Sword and Shield or some of the latest entries. And, you know, so Final Fantasy is something that's been like a mainstay of my gaming experience, but I've never actually played it. And it taps into a nostalgia that simultaneously exists and doesn't at the same time. So when I hear the music, you know, that's yeah. music that I've heard in my periphery for years. And it's, you know, Cloud is a character that I always thought looked cool because if he had this giant sword, like that poster you're talking about is so iconic. Mm-hmm. And experiencing it it's almost like i have played the game it's almost like i do have this history with the game but i don't it's a really bizarre feeling that i haven't experienced for nearly anything else before um yeah and i think that it's such a special game for that reason even if you've never played final fantasy 7 you've heard of it i'm sure that the sales numbers for this remake are going to be fantastic and i think that we are going to see the same kind of um, here's the next like five to ten hour chunk of the original game. And we're going to expand that into its own dedicated 30 to 40 hour experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting, too, is that like, yeah, it's a remake, technically speaking. Right. But it does feel like this is square at their like um what's the word like at their peak right like they're really Mm -hmm. firing on all cylinders and like they're introducing things you've seen before like different iterations of like like i mentioned before of the kingdom hearts and you know even stuff from other titles like 12 and 13 it's very kingdom heartsy obviously this is the same team as three and kingdom hearts again that's a game series that I do not have uh, an affinity or real experience with outside of the latest release. So I played Kingdom Hearts 3 without really playing 1 and 2. Um, and uh, the combat is very... When you're just fighting hack and slash, it's very much that kind of combat. And also some of the cutscenes. There's one cutscene that shows Cloud and Tifa when they are children. And I'm like, this looks like <laughs> shot for shot. One of the... you know what. what 
every time I've seen shit in Final Fantasy, uh, Kingdom Hearts, everyone's like sitting on like a ledge on like a tower or something, and it's like a bunch yeah. of kids like having a con. What will the future hold for us and stuff like that? <laughs> and um, that that shit literally happens. There's a moment where Cloud and Tifa have the exact same thing, and I'm like, this is some Kingdom Hearts shit. But it's kind of like, what if it was Kingdom Hearts, but every aspect of it kind of nailed it, right? The yeah. the story is phenomenal and even more timely than it was in 97 the characters look fantastic the characters are well written the combat the music although i guess kingdom hearts never really had an issue with the music that's probably its strongest asset um but and then i think chris uh one of you know a forever colleague i guess uh between the two of us uh he tweeted out um he's like what if this final fantasy 7 is like they took what if final fantasy 15 but it was good and um, Final Fantasy XV is really the only other entry that I've played before um, for any kind of considerable amount of time. I actually reviewed it back for GameZone back in the day. I got a lot of hate because I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Um, How dare you? Yeah, I know, right? Um, but all of the issues that I had with Final Fantasy XV, where it felt half-baked, the combat felt not entirely there, the story wasn't entirely there, all of that is pretty much fixed. And I know that this isn't a sequel. I know that this isn't technically like a writing of wrongs for what happened with 15, but it kind of feels that way a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that's it's it's so far fantastic, and I can't wait to jump in and play more. Yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, a peek into the future, at least of where, like, RPGs are going. And it just, it kind of feels, um, I don't know, I always struggle with that, FOMO and like wanting to see at least um, just keep up with it and make sure that like you know I know what I I don't know where things are where things are headed and um, yeah this game in particular definitely feels like it has that same um, feeling of even watching I remember my first Final Fantasy was eight as a kid I got it for my birthday and um, I remember thinking like oh my god this is the future like this is like where games are headed. In a lot of ways, this kind of feels like that mm-hmm. in like just getting a, you know, a peek at where what Square might prioritize in the future moving forward. And that might mean, I mean, we're already seeing that we're in the, the midst of remakes with RE2 and 3 and this and like, you know, whatever else that's coming out in the future. But I would be very curious to see where they go with this or wh- whether they decide to remake something else. Cause like, I mean, I think of the canon of all the final fantasies, this might be the, the one that's like the most popular. Um, so I doubt we'll see the same sort of effort behind uh final fantasy eight or nine remix, even especially cause nine tends to also be like very much like the cult classic in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, interesting so far. I mean, still well, my partner's really early on, but um yeah, I'm. I'm curious, Cam. Or do you have any interest in this, or even like jumping into this at some point? Um, yeah, I'm kind of similar to you guys. When I was like a kid, I like my first memory of Final Fantasy was hearing about it from my best friend at the time, and uh, he was like talking about it with our art teacher, like as a fourth grader, like talking to like I'm guessing was like a twenty year old at the time, but. Um, and I remember being so jealous of this thing they were talking about, but I had no idea what it was, <laughs> and then. Uh, like one day he took, brought me to his house and he showed me the game and I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I had never seen anything mm-hmm. like it like because those graphics mm-hmm. were crazy. I was like, I can tell what everything is in this like scene here and this like those art backgrounds, like those little painted 
drawn backgrounds really cool um but this i don't know like I, I have zero excitement for it it looks really cool but like you know what it is i think it's the the uh the time to play like i just know i don't have 40 hours in me to get something out like this um to like just put the time in and grind i'm like not that i know myself like i'm a 10 hour kind of gamer like max or something i can jump in and out um right now so like i only have one more week off so i i know that's just i'm not gonna fill it with final fantasy 7 um but yeah i mean it looks really cool from what i've seen people are enjoying the hell out of it so i'm really excited about that it is weird that this like title has like some connection to pretty much every gamer in like history like we all have some type of interaction with it even though it might not be directly with it you know like it's it's so interesting how that can permeate a whole culture and like i don't know just feel people with like this like you said tom like uh, like this false like um kind of nostalgia reverie (laughs) it's so bizarre um because i I do feel that way too i was like damn i love this game i watched like i bought advent children because i love that game you know like i bought all the stuff like i even had some action figures growing up but like i just never like played it like i i just watched my friend play it like you know back in the day yeah yeah that's exactly where <laughs> I fit here. It's like I'm I didn't buy it for myself and like even right now looking over at the screen my partner is currently like you know managing her materia and like doing all the stats and like what I call paperwork mm-hmm. and I have like zero interest in handling <laughs> any of that right now. Like I don't have the mental energy or time really even though we're all stuck in quarantine. Yeah. Um I don't I feel like I don't want to handle that. I just want to check in with it from time to time and like get major story beats, see some really cool cutscenes. But I also remember um, when I was a kid, and even before Seven came out, I think my at the time my older sister was dating somebody who lived like a town over, and um, they had they were like they had Final Fantasy six posters on the wall. And I remember like me and my brother, um, my older brother George, we were like he was explaining to us what a role-playing game was, which is the first time I'd ever heard that phrase. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell does that mean? Like, are you acting? Or, like, is there, like, <laughs> paper involved? Do you have a book? What I don't know what this means. And um, he explained it to us, and our primitive brains that only really enjoyed, like, Tekken and Wipeout and Mario 64 and that kind of stuff, we were like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, but in that same way, I think it's interesting. In the same way, actually, um, one game that I still haven't got around to that I bought, like a full uh, Half-Life Alex. I feel like these kind of games that are, again, kind of dipping into the bucket of like 90s nostalgia, they seem to also be the ones that are like constantly pushing the envelope forward, primarily because they probably have the budget and excuse to go ahead and do that. Like, you know what? You'll get the Kingdom Hearts team and whoever else you need to like make this thing work because we know it's going to sell you know, a fuck ton of copies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of my, where my fascination lies, but you're right. I don't have that same sense of like first person nostalgia for it, but I do have this like really weird sort of, like you said before too, Tom, like this reverie for it that like, I didn't necessarily, you know, quote unquote earn or whatever, but it is still fun to partake in and also just see other people get really excited for. But for me in particular, I'm like, I don't know if I want to actually play it, but I'm I'm also very happy for the folks who like have very strong feelings for this thing, whether it was like 
first person or maybe ripples of it afterwards. Um, and I play and I beat the original one. It's like, I think the only <laughs> Final Fantasy at this point that I've ever beaten, um, maybe outside of like one or two spinoffs or whatever. But um, it's the only one I've actually beaten. And I, I like know the whole story pretty much in and out. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see how the other entries shake things up because it does seem to modernize one or two things. But I'm also curious how it handles other things, obviously, like some pretty problematic shit in the game when it comes to like, you know, I won't get into that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how it handles it moving forward. But yeah, man, Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, a curious like insight into like what may come down the road, especially from Square, if this proves to be successful, like we're all pretty much predicting at this point. Yeah, but, um, I agree with Tom, though. Like, I think they're going to turn this into a more than three franchise spinoff thing it's gonna be a money maker people are gonna buy it man yeah. like that's what it boils down to and i'm glad like, i hope yeah. people get what they want you know yeah for sure for sure um okay so we have three games that overlap in our playlist so far so next up actually speaking of i guess shared experiences um call of duty warzone i haven't gotten to really like spend too much time with it but the first time i've me actually playing it was with tom who was like showing me the ropes and i still don't understand like half of it like <laughs> how different things work like spending money or respawning and all that stuff but we got into a few matches i think our fourth match uh together we won mm-hmm. and um yeah man cam you've been talking about this for like a long time at this point and i know all of our some of our friends still play it pretty regularly but um yeah, Call of Duty Warzone. I'm kind of mad at myself for sleeping on it for so long because it was actually a really good time. And I should, I know in like my heart of hearts, I should be spending more time with it, but it can be so tough to get to walk away from Animal Crossing sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah, Warzone, I'm I'm very, very impressed by. Cam, have you had a chance to play more of it uh, since, you know, started talking yeah, about it? Yeah, I dipped in last, this past week because um, season three just came out. Um, and they just, uh, in Warzone specifically, I think they they mixed up some of the new weapons. So in the game, you can find uh, like fully kitted weapons um, like that have like a title or something to it. Like they'll call it like the master or some shit like that. Like, I don't know what it's called, but like a gun will have specific type um, and they mix it up and they change a bunch of, they put a new, a uh, new set of weapons in the pool of weapons that you can find. And that's been really fun because it kind of mixes up the meta. And it also, introduces you to guns that you never use in the main game uh, which is kind of cool so it gives you an excuse to like try them out later on um when you're playing like you know deathmatch or some shit like that but um this game is really fun it's it's uh i don't know like it, it just gets me it's always on 10 it keeps you moving like they cut all the fat out of like br games i think they're doing it quite right um and the gulag stuff is just amazing and i i can't get enough of it um yeah how was your time with it like so yeah we we jumped into a couple matches um primarily just to like test it out because i hadn't played it just yet but i know tom you stream it a lot so you were mm-hmm. like showing me like you know what guns to maybe keep an eye out for and like how the different things worked especially like regarding the circle and gas masks and like respawning it's very like it's very forgiving in that sense even if it does have mm-hmm. a huge player count i think it's 150 right uh yeah if you play with uh teams it's 150 if you play solos it's uh around 100 um and i don't think that's well now they because they introduced quads uh when season three dropped at the end of last week but now they've also brought trios i think both of those are 150 
Um, yeah. Nice. Although I guess 150 doesn't quite work with quadruples, like with quads. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It, it'll be around there, but um, yeah, that's the that's the that's the team size uh, for these games uh, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I I I mean, I had a really good time with it. I mean, like the moment to moment Call of Duty shooting thing is still like really fun to experience mm-hmm. like i don't think a game had really like nails it like that maybe apex um but it which makes a lot of sense considering like the developers and stuff but yeah. um <laughs> yeah it, it definitely feels like a nice balance of some of that apex stuff mixed in with like a dash of battlefield and a little bit of PUBG, which is like a thing that like you know i, I think i mean i like to blackout a lot and i Wish I would have stuck with that for longer before things like Apex and other stuff sort of pulled me away. But I do find that this one strikes a nice little like Goldilocks sort of mix of things that just all feel really, really good. Because there were times where we were even like in cities and we're like running up to the roof that I got like strong Battlefield 3 mm-hmm. vibes and like um, being able to jump off and hit a parachute. Like that's like my jam. Like, like <laughs> Call of Duty crap. I love that. Yeah. And um, that's what, oh, I'm sorry, Battlefield. Yeah, that that's something that I think. Uh, I played I played Blackout for a bit, and Blackout felt like them just kind of scrambling to make a battle royale for Call of Duty to just you know say that they had one. Uh, whilst it was fun, I think it sacrificed a lot of what makes Call of Duty Call of Duty. That being said, Warzone is very much way more of a Call of Duty game and way more recognizable as of a Call of Duty game than Blackout ever was. And I think that is a actually a boon for it. Um, I do enjoy the fact that you, uh, like Cam was saying, are continuously kind of moving. Uh, there's It trims some of the fat. Uh, you know, something like PUBG... maintaining weapons and what your accessories are and what your you know what scope you're going to use are you going to have a silencer on it that is a metagame within PUBG. that is completely Mm. uh devoid here you're never really in any kind of inventory system in call of duty warzone and that is whilst i don't think that it's inherently like that's good because in PUBG, it's kind of fun. Like, oh, I found this scope. I've been looking, you know, I want to match this scope with this gun. And I've been, I've finally found the perfect pair. Uh, in Call of Duty, you don't have that. But what you trade off is just you're constantly uh, focused on moving to the next point, uh, which is nicely balanced with picking up contracts such as go uh, capture this recon point go hunt down this specific team, um, find these supply crates. The That drive to keep having you moving and you're always doing something, even when you died, like Cam said, you go into the gulag and you have this one-on-one fight where the victor is able to redeploy onto the map. Um, I think that is such a uh, boon for this game and also shows that Battle Royales there is so much variation that you can have just within the battle royale genre. This isn't a, you have the bare bones, but you can do so much. You can make so many different recipes with the basics of you're dropping into a map and it's last man standing. Um, so yeah. I've been enjoying the hell out of Warzone and been playing it 
um, probably as much, if not more, than I was playing Apex around this time last year. And whilst I love Apex and I love the the heroes system, I love sliding the the movement and the fluidity of all of it. I think that um, one thing is I think Warzone has a more engaging map. I think that the map in Warzone is in Warzone is fantastic, um, and I uh, think that there's a heftiness to it that uh, Apex is a little bit more on the lighter side of things. And so, yeah, Warzone is totally my jam right now, uh, and as you said, been streaming a lot of it. So, I don't foresee myself kind of moving away from it back to Apex until maybe we'll see what they Apex drops with season five. And what that new character looks like, because I can't, I can't um, uh, avoid the sirens' call of a new legend dropping in Apex. I always, <laughs> even though I'd never really played much with Revenant or whatever the season four character's name is, I bought him day one. I was like, I gotta have you. <laughs> I gotta collect you. Yeah. So Same. yeah, I might jump into Apex when season five launches, but we'll see. Um, yeah, loving the hell out of Call of Duty Warzone. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then the, the final game on each of our playlists here, um, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, today is officially Bunny Day, so no <laughs> longer will we see Zipper T Bunny or these goddamn eggs everywhere. Um, you hope. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm <laughs> curious how um, how much y'all have how much time y'all have been putting into Animal Crossing, especially as of late, and what y'all been up to. Uh, Cam, you can kick things off if you want yeah um so i've definitely cooled down a bit um just based on like my days and like just resting and stuff like i've been trying to like really enjoy the shit out of my days off (laughs) i don't i don't have too (laughs) many so i'm like you know i'll play video games whenever but um so usually how i engage with it on a day-to-day is just like going in getting my nook mile bonus um checking the store for anything new um checking the turnip prices um getting my fossils chopping my trees if i need any extra stuff and then i'll put it down uh maybe check the the able sisters see if they have anything and then see if uh my residents need anything so i'll do some like you know light house uh keeping around there but other than that i've been like kind of putting it down i stopped collecting eggs like last week because i was like (laughs) this is I was not having a great time with this Easter event, um, Bunny yeah. Day event, like not at all. Um, it was kind of cool in the beginning. Like I, I like the like I loved your video um, that you did with your uh, with your crew um, with the conspiracies and stuff. Like I thought oh, that was really yeah, yeah. sweet. Um, Thanks. But uh, yeah, I just wasn't having a great time. So like today when I got on, I was like, yes, it's finally over. I'm gonna see what they want from me. And they were like, oh, you got to complete the rest of the. Um, the uh DIY recipes or whatever DIY recipes and I was like oh I didn't really engage with that at all so <laughs> so like I just made them all right there and then uh he gave me a final recipe which was like not satisfying at all so I I feel bad for people who like really went hard with this shit because I didn't like collect a lot at all and I was able to make everything like I probably Same. had like 30 of each um and that like i got that in like two three days maybe um yeah but yeah i was able to make every single item on that list and i didn't put any effort into it so i feel bad for people that went super hard (laughs) i feel like the game does a bad job of communicating 
just different things across the board. But one of those things in particular is like they tell you, hey, make everything and then we'll give you a prize. But then they don't necessarily tell you what is essential. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. What is essential and what isn't? I turned into like my Spanish. What is essential? (laughs) Um, So like they don't tell you like the things you need to do that are mandatory and things that are kind of optional. And you kind of learn that just by word of mouth. Like you learn that like, oh, the clothes stuff, that's all optional. But the stuff to like, you know, the balloons and the... um, the wreaths and all that stuff, like the things that you have to actually craft that aren't just duplicates of other versions of it. Those are the things you have to make. And I felt the same way, like around Wednesday, Thursday, I stopped caring about this and I stopped collecting eggs. And then today I was like, Oh, let me see how much I have left. I'm, and the guy was like, Oh, you did everything. Like you crafted everything. <laughs> so I like, I barely did the homework and I got the same reward. Yeah. But the, I think the, the, upside to all of this is though like the one thing that i've learned too the eggs go for a pretty good amount if you sell them so if you if you collect them you can still just sort of flip them and sell them if you don't want to even bother with them you can just drop them do whatever you want but what i learned today while streaming earlier was that if you craft the bunny day dress or whatever or the egg dress Mm -hmm. i forget what it's called um those require three i think of each egg so there's six eggs total to find so that can be kind of hard to come across so if you do have an excess of these eggs um you can just sell the dress for 7200 bells so if you have you know three or four supplies worth of eggs you can make a you know decent amount of money for it especially if you've been sort of collecting them on the back burner like in the back of your mind it's not not the worst thing in the world but i do find it interesting that i also quickly before i uh, ask tom also how he's been playing but like i've also have built up my routine too of like things i do in the morning check the turnip prices um you know check in with who you know whoever um but i've also been finding a lot of joy in just like redecorating stuff this uh this week one of the days uh nook's cranny was closed for renovations so it got upgraded and because it'll get bigger it'll give you like three rare items and then like the regular stuff um but what was cool was that, like, because of that, I didn't have access to, like, selling tarantulas or selling moths or whatever fish. So I wound up just, like, spending an entire night redecorating and reorganizing, like, my house, my island, and, like, doing things that I had been putting on the back burner for, for a really long time. So I think Animal Crossing does a really good job of, like, every once in a while uh, intentionally interrupting you and being like, hey, why don't you go you know, work on this thing for a while. Even like the fishing event, which happened on Saturday, yesterday, that was a nice way to be like, hey, you haven't fished in a while. Maybe you want to fish. And then also like, it's an optional thing. Like you get some very like kind of frivolous rewards as a result. But like, you can also just sell those fish directly to the same guy and then make a good amount of money. So there always seems to be like a benefit to either doing it or not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the one thing that like I find a hard time trying to convince even my own brother. Like he was like, I'm not sure I'm really into this game or whatever. And I'm like, look, just do whatever you want. Like don't necessarily feel compelled to do this bunny day event. If you don't feel like it or like, you know, bother with like different min maxing ways that animal crossing for me doesn't feel fun. Like there are things that like people are, you know, for, for some people that's like fun, right? That's like an achievement that they can accomplish. Like, I understand to some degree, like supreme resellers, <laughs> like I get it, right? Like you want to just buy this thing or or min max this thing, and like um, th- to me, like that goes too far into like not fun territory because then it just becomes like an obligation in a way. And so I've only been tapping my own social circles for things. So like a WhatsApp group chat that I have going, where like a lot of friends are playing. We have our Discord. I have our company Slack channel, where like 
everyone in the company is playing and like you know we just trade stuff or you know like that's how i sold belt um turnips this week um shout out to uh victoria from gizmodo she uh had like the the ill prices and i was like oh my god i have to come through so um yeah tom i'm curious like how how you're doing with uh animal crossing new horizons animal crossing for me is that game that fills in the cracks uh of my time um i get up in the morning and play it for maybe a half hour um, and then I will check in through the day. And it is, I think I relate a lot to Cam and my, his experience with it of just coming back to it to kind of do check things off a list. I am enjoying it in that fashion. I know a lot of people are sitting uh, down for hours to, as you said, like max out, min-max certain things. And that's just not the way I'm da- doing it. This bunny day thing... I, I, I didn't build a single bunny day thing. <laughs> I just <laughs> caught all the eggs, and honestly, I turned them in for cash to buy turnips. Um, there you go. And I, and I think that the beauty of Animal Crossing is that there are so many things to care about, but if you don't care about them, that's okay. Because there are so many things to, there are so many different ways to, like my, one of my co-hosts, uh, fishing is their thing. They spend all their time fishing and selling fish, and that's how like they make their bells. Um, for me, it's about growing trees and harvesting fruit. So uh, it's a game that I'm still very much enjoying, and it. This is my first Animal Crossing. I think I should put it. Say that I had no, Same. I had no fucking interest in this game until <laughs> we all had to spend this time at home all the time. So hmm. I picked it up. I also knew that it would be a great game for streaming. And the day act, the day that that and Doom launched were the days that I started uh, streaming on Mixer. So that was kind of like, oh, big launch weekend for both of these games. So we're going to stream them. Uh, and yeah, my my relationship hasn't changed, but I've been loving it. One thing that's really cool is my roommate has been really getting into it. He's not a gamer by any stretch, but like I like I presumed, uh, COVID to made gamers of us all. So he he actually beat all of Pokemon Sword, like the whole thing, like played the whole thing in like four days and then has been playing Animal Crossing and building an island with him has been a a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I um, I've been really enjoying it, but I've been taking it at a very kind of slow pace. And that's the like I said, it's the beauty of the game. I don't feel rushed. I don't feel like I need to uh, get a certain you know, get to an end goal. I'm just taking it my own time. Um, so resident services just became a town hall. Isabel just came to the island for me like two days ago. Um, and yeah, that's how I've been playing. And then one thing we actually did uh, to, once again, pimp uh, the mixer, we did a fundraiser the other day that uh, Paul yeah. uh, Paul watched. Uh, my roommate, or not my roommate, sorry, my co-host on Unranked, Christian, he built an entire game show on his island so we had trivia and physical challenges so (laughs) for example one of the physical challenges is he had turned his he had planted eggs in a beach uh, like one of the beach fronts that he has so there was like a hundred holes that could be dug up (laughs) some of the holes had eggs in them and depending on which egg you picked up depending on how many points you got and I think there was one blue sky egg that was like worth a huge ton of points. And that was some, there's just one of them buried somewhere. And then if you uh, dug up a tree branch, you got no points. And so we were running around, and I was just getting tree branches, tree branches, tree branches. It was so frustrating. <laughs> and then he had gone into, um, 
he had gone into uh, he had built one of the rooms in his house to be like a game show room. Uh, so he had uh, like buzzers and <laughs> lights and stuff like that. It was awesome for the trivia portions. And so there was a bunch of games like that. So like that was so much fun to play. And that level of creativity uh, was something he harnessed because he's been playing this game basically nonstop. So he had the ability to craft all of this. And uh, I think that's another thing I love about the game is the f- jumping from people so much of it is the online portion uh of jumping onto other people's islands or having people visit your island and that has been where all right my island may not be built out to these magnificent heights but i can always go travel to someone who has built an amazing island and experience the game through their lens and through their island um yeah, so I've been having a ton of fun with it. Um, if you do want to watch that whole game show thing, by the way, I'm going to plug something else right now. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel for Unranked Podcast. It is just youtube.com forward slash Unranked Podcast. And that will be going up uh, Monday, which I guess is when this la- releases, right? You release on Mondays? Yeah. yeah so yeah. when this is out, you can go there and you'll be able to see the game show in whole because it is the fucking craziest shit <laughs> I've ever that fucking done. Sounds dope, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was wild, and so yeah, that's been yeah. that's been kind of my time with it, and I am surprised by how much I enjoy it, and yet I'm not addicted to it. Um, yeah. Right, right. That that's one thing I actually was talking about with um, my colleague uh, and f- f- real life friend Natalie. Shout out to Natalie. So, sorry, Kim, dropping a flex bomb for Natalie. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I will say, <laughs> I will say, um, yeah, like the other night we were talking, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna like." do one or two things then i'm gonna call it a night and it's very rare for me to do that in a game to like because i have those same moments right before i'm about to wrap up i'm like okay let me just go sell these fish then i'll just kind of store this stuff away and then i'll call it a night it's not like you know we talked about Warzone or apex or whatever it's like oh, just one more game just one more game just one more game i've had like a hard time walking away from those games so it's like one thing that you just said that i really like landed with me in a in a very real way was like yeah i feel like i'm thoroughly engaged engaged in this thing with the exception of like the turnips and stuff i don't feel the constant need to check in and like be pouring dozens of hours in. i i I feel like i can get just as much out of it from like 20 minutes of play than i can with like three or four um so yeah it's been really really cool that board game thing and the trivia game thing was so wild (laughs) and also just like really the questions were amazing. It was like he was doing things through like Google Translate. That was fascinating. <laughs> that, that's and something like, that's a part uh, of our podcast. So at the end of every week of the podcast, we play really zany games. So one of them, yeah, is Lost in Translation, where he'll put so good. he'll put a game through Google Translate and translate it into a language and then translate it back to English. And then we have to figure <laughs> out what the game is. Uh, so I think the game was, um, fuck, what was it? Anonymous? Uh, anonymous cloud cloud play yeah anonymous cloud play and uh one of our listener one of the people watching the stream actually guessed it it was untitled goose game so anonymous was untitled game was play and then somehow goose got translated into (laughs) i forget what language he translated it into but when it translated back to english it became cloud (laughs) (laughs) that's so good that's phenomenal um yeah so um yeah, outside of that, just really quickly, um, I've been doing more Ring Fit. I've been like actually oh, yeah. doing it every other day. I might bump it up to one a day just because I feel like my body has now... It's really fascinating. I've been doing it now for like two weeks consistently and not a really long time, but I can already feel 
uh, progress. Like I'm not getting as winded as I used to so quickly. I'm actually like um, burning way more calories now. I'm spending more time in the game without completely needing to stop and take a break. So like, you know, tied to the actual real progression inside of the game, which continues to like surprise me more and more as I get further. Cause like they seem to have like really buried the really cool stuff, like six or seven hours in, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're like sweating your ass off, that can take you like, you know, a couple of weeks. So, um, it's, a uh, it's amazing. I love it so much. It's a bummer that it's not as easily available right now, at least, um, while they sort of, struggle to um work on supplying enough uh units and stuff but um i've been having a really good time with it and like i'm actually really thoroughly enjoying the exercise portion of it which is like a miracle considering that like i generally don't enjoy exercising but i feel like if this is a taste of what's to come in the future where like things get game like gamified and stuff and like in this way then i'm totally on board and it seems like they're really willing to support it with the rhythm game and stuff that they announced very recently which is like kind of a throwaway side thing it does not like there's not enough meat there for it to officially become what ddr was for me when i was a teenager but um you know it, it's cool I, i'm liking it a lot and then um the other only game that I played really quickly that I want to mention because it's new is called In Other Waters. It came out, um, I think, like two weeks ago at this point. It was announced. Um, there was like a launch trailer for it, I believe, within one of the indie directs for uh, the Nintendo uh, directs. And it's really cool. I did a video on it. I'll very briefly summarize it. But it's like, it's um, it's kind of like Subnautica in a lot of ways, except it's a very minimal take on it. You're just looking at a user interface that's like a map with a di- bunch of different tools that you use to navigate this underwater space. The story follows a scientist who's looking for a colleague that went missing. You're on a different planet and you're basically like observing different uh, life forms and you're extracting samples and using those samples within the world itself, very Metroidvania like. And um, you're, there's a lot of lore there, like in the menus, you go back to a home base. It's really, really cool. It's on Switch, uh, Windows, and Mac, actually. So if you have a Mac, you can play it on the Mac. Um, but I highly recommend it. I've been loving it a lot so far. I want to like finish playing it. I think I'm about 20% of the way through. Um, and I'm not entirely sure if that means like 100% means complete or if like, you know, 70% could mean complete. Um, but really really cool game i did a video on it again too it's on you know youtube.com slash kotaku or on the on the page or whatever so check it out if you if it sounds interesting at all to you but um yeah other than that um cam you've been playing a little bit more of uh, apex yeah um so like i've been taking a break from warzone um and then my buddy of mine shout out to toshi he hit me up he was like yo i'm trying apex for the first time like he'd never downloaded it before i was like it's free why don't you have this on your system like it's bizarre to me but anyway so he he uh he and i usually play a lot of um br games together so um yeah i've been showing him kind of the ropes he was like playing on his own he got a couple wins he's very good at games so like i didn't really have to teach him much but um just like the little like uh not so intuitive things uh about apex can uh you know just to help him frame frame his mind in that that way um yeah but we've been like playing it kind of non-stop for the last like three days and then we got one of our other nice. friends to jump in and we've just been having a blast and it's it's a different feel um from 
Warzone. Like it's hard to like go back and forth. Like cause the the aiming's a little different. The the like you said, Tom. Like the being in menus and changing out your scopes is just a different feel. It kind of slows the game down. Mm-hmm. Such a like to a halt almost. Like <laughs> I hate those matches where like if you play a lot of BR games, you know like if you like you know you're you're spending like maybe ten minutes collecting all these items and then you finally come into your first encounter and you get wiped that's the worst feeling in the world like i hate that like and i find that like apex does that a lot like if you drop somewhere that's not like busy you you end up like collecting and you're you're all kitted out and then you just get attacked from out of nowhere and then you lose and gotta start all over it's just a weird feeling um but apex is super enjoyable um i just thought it was cool to like be showing people who had never really played the game like playing with people who had never had any context from last year um which is weird it's only been out for a year like it seems like it's been with us for so long um but yeah i've been having like a ton of fun with that uh other than that i've been i started playing um re3 remake again um, i put it down for a week because nice. i heard that there was a patch for uh xbox one x um that bumped the frame rate um, up to 60 frames per second um, nice. so that dropped uh, I think yesterday or the day before um, so I started playing last night and it's like makes a world of a difference man I don't I don't know what yeah. I don't know why that was the case um, <laughs> I'm not like smart enough to like know all the technical stuff um, but uh, yeah it was it was weird to be playing on a Xbox one X and not have those frames um, when the PS uh, four pro had that um but yeah i've been playing it and i've been enjoying the shit out of it i just got past like the halfway mark um the second time you fight uh uh nemesis uh it was it was a pretty interesting fight um kind of easy uh i'm playing on hardcore but it was it was kind of easy i used all my my uh my ammo on them and it it was just like i don't know pretty straightforward fight i don't think there's anything too compelling about the fight so far but um i'm still enjoying it i'm still enjoying it nice nice yeah i'm curious to see what you think once you've sort of finished everything because it is a very yeah like i've already mentioned on the show very interesting resident evil entry (laughs) but um yeah uh, like i just got to the part where you start playing as um carlos and uh yeah it's uh I don't know. I, I kind of like those moments better because he, even though he does technically have more firepower, he's he's just uh, swarmed by zombies like nonstop. And on hardcore, yeah. if you get bit more than once, you you die. So um, that's been really hard. I've had to restart like a couple times, um, just destroying my my uh, A rating that I was aiming for. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna run this game a couple times um just like i did for re2 i love these games so i'm gonna keep playing them uh but this game is gorgeous and it continues to be fun so i'm gonna keep playing it nice nice um i'll quickly move some things along now especially since like i feel like man uh i don't want to take up too much of tom's time here but uh (laughs) you've been messing around with the uh the 4k 60 s plus oh yeah absolutely so uh actually i did a little quick review of it on uh that youtube that i mentioned earlier youtube.com forward slash unranked podcast for more kind of greater details yeah i picked up the elgato 4k 60 s plus it allows you to uh capture 4k footage 60 frames per second and hdr i will say 
even just capturing the 4K footage in standard dynamic range uh, requires quite uh, a lot of computing power. On top of that, if you try to use the HDR, if you do not have something that uh, a PC that you've built in the last couple of years, uh, forget about it happening. Um, I think mm-hmm. you. it also has an SD card reader built in, which is really nice to have. So you can capture directly to an SD card if you're at an event trying to capture something. I do not believe the HDR works for SD capture. I think that has to be done through an actual computer. Um, and yeah, I think it's been great. Uh, that being said, I was comparing it to the HD60. So that's Elgato's previous capture card that allowed you to capture in 1080. And I mean, once you kind of put it into YouTube and once you, stre- you know, if you're using it to stream, like you can't stream to Twitch or Mixer in 4K. And YouTube does so much compression that unless you're looking to manipulate the footage in some kind of way, um, by adding, uh, you know, a, a look over it via a LUT or something like that, um, that extra detail isn't going to come across um, in, uh, you know, capturing. So unless you're someone who captures a lot of footage and you have the resources for it, because it is four hundred dollars, um, I would honestly recommend just going with Elgato's previous 1080p model. Um, if you're getting into capture for the first time or you're just streaming without needing to capture, I wouldn't necessarily mess with the 4K60 because it's you know it's something that um, is going to eat up a lot of computer resources. So you need a pretty beefy machine to to make. Uh, all the hdr features happen and um oh a file size too like i think uh it's like a gig a minute for 4k um so you need a lot of storage to be able to Mm -hmm. uh store these files as well so it you get a lot of nice features but there is a trade-off for those features and so unless you are someone who captures all the time goes to events to capture um you might just want to stick with the 1080 uh, version of the product yeah there's also um i was mistaken i thought you were talking about the um like the capture card like the little um not the one that has like an sd card slot but um yeah, that's the one that I have. I have the HD sixty S plus, which allows for four K pass through. I don't. I don't yeah, think it so does that's, HDR. So that's least... so. So the HD sixty S plus is the one that allows for pass through, and they just released something called the four K sixty S plus, which allows for four K yeah. capture and HDR capture and pass through. So the one you have is the one I would recommend to most people mm-hmm. because. You can still play games in 4K. You don't. I don't think you get HDR pass through, but you could still get. 4K. Oh, you do. Oh, you do. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so you get the pass through, but you're capturing at 1080. That's the product I think I'd recommend to to most people. Uh, this 4K 60s plus is overkill, and uh, I'm kind of. I was already kind of looking to get because I'm still working off of a Mac laptop from 2016 which still does most of the things I need it to do. But now that I'm streaming a lot of the time and now that I have this capture card, that kind of threw me over the edge of like, I need like a dedicated machine for all of this. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps for sure. All right, cool. I think just for the sake of time, um, I think I'm going to borrow a, uh, um, a format from a podcast that I listen to also. Why don't we pick the stories that we want to talk about? Like I'm down to talk about anything, but... Um, Tom, I think I might give you first pick since you're a guest. Um, 
What uh, what story would you want to talk about from the ones I have listed? Yeah, here? I mean, the biggest one is the one we've got at the top here. I think we got to talk about that uh, sweet new PS5 controller. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you are referring to the DualSense, mm-hmm. which was introduced this past week. Uh, this is taken from the PlayStation blog, but it's the new wireless controller for the PS5, and it has some pretty interesting things. I know it's been kind of divisive in terms of um, its actual physical uh, appearance. Like it sort of looks like it's wearing a weird tank top or like <laughs> blouse it's just weird um but it uh it packs some pretty interesting things outside of like you know the the typical layout that we see on uh the already existing DualShock 4 um so it is um it, it's cool so it has like this haptic um this haptic feedback so they're they're talking or the triggers excuse me so like they can sort of react differently according to what you're doing inside of the game um we're gonna see a built-in microphone in it so if you want to quickly talk to somebody without you know scrambling for a headset you can do that if you want um they talked about new features that they're going to start building on with the share feature i think the button is called create now so um we can only assume that might introduce some more fleshed out maybe even streaming or or uh, like video editing tools, maybe stuff for, I don't know, just different ways that we can start to like evolve how we share the content beyond just being like, I'm going to upload it to YouTube or Twitter or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things around this, uh, the, the controller itself beyond just the way it looks, which I got to be honest with you, I'm actually kind of into the chunkier vibe of a controller. I kind of prefer when my controllers, you know, just have a stronger, heftier feel to them. But it does seem like they're at least trying to um, try some new things with this new controller that don't stray too far away from the beaten path because, like, you don't want to introduce, like, you know, Joy-Con, essentially, which, honestly, I really love now. I've kind of been playing Animal Crossing uh, like that a lot. But I'm curious to know, um, Tom, what, what do you think about the controller so far? I, I love it. Um, I think that I love the two-tone color, which I think the kind of uh, other side of this story is this is probably the, this is giving us the first glimpse at what the entire design ethos of the console itself is going to be. I think we're going to see a white console with uh, black highlights. Um, And so I, I really like the bold look that they're going for. Um, it looks more comfortable. Uh, as someone that was way more of a PlayStation dude, and then this generation, I've played a lot of Xbox because m- my other podcast hosts are Xbox guys. I have come to learn to love the Xbox controller, and every time I do go back to the PlayStation DualShock 4, I'm like, this isn't as comfortable. And it definitely seems to have taken some of those de- design elements from the the Xbox of being chunkier, like you said, being a bit more rounded. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to obviously getting it in my hand. That, that I mean, at the end of the day, that is what is the most important thing is how does it feel to play? That being said, I think what they're doing with um, the uh, the sense part, right? So the, the haptic feedback, the feedback in the triggers is something that I think a lot of people are not giving as much credit like it's going i think it's going to be way more of an interesting experience when you get it in your hands and people you know when when fucking nintendo was talking about hd rumble in the switch Mm. who the fuck gave a shit right they were like oh count how many balls are in the thing for one two switch right but feeling it is a different experience entirely and something that i didn't really think about with it was not until i got my hands on a nintendo switch Lite. 
and I played a game without any rumble of any kind and without any HD mm. rumble, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. The feedback <laughs> that you get from the Joy-Cons and the Switch Pro controllers is so fucking cool, and I think it's subliminally doing a lot for those gameplay experiences, and you're just kind of not noticing it until it's taken away. Um, and I think that as combining that technology with a console that has such power behind it, playing Last of Us Part 2, which I'm sure will get kind of a PS5 patch so you can play it on PS5, you know, uh, them talking about having tension in a bow, um, I think it's... R- I don't know if a lot of third parties are going to utilize this, but combining, you know, imagine playing God of War 2 and when the Leviathan axe comes back into your hand, having it be this snap, like you can feel it in your mind. And obviously you have the HD rumble in the original God of War for PS4, but having it with a very specific feel. Um, it's it's not go- that kind of feeling is not going to exist solely in your mind anymore. It's going to be something you feel in your hands. And so I'm super stoked for these features, and I think the design, I actually really like it a lot, um, despite, you know, I think it's very divisive so far, it seems, but uh, I'm all about it, and I think that both Series X and PS5 are going to be awesome systems, but for completely different reasons. Um, Oh, for sure. And so I'm just really excited for next gen, and I'm really hoping that they, it does obviously stick to the timeline uh, I know that Xbox, both Xbox and Sony have said, we're not concerned. Uh, I think that's optimistic at best. <laughs> and so I, I still think there is a good chance that they're either not going to launch in the fall or they're going to be very limited in their, that's maybe the most likely thing is they're going to be very limited in their, their launch. Um, so, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm very excited about PlayStation 5 and we, we just know so much less. We don't know what the box looks like. We don't know any games that it's launching with first party. Um, so to have them just drop this <laughs> on a Tuesday was, was interesting. And I think the same thing will happen when they're going to talk about the console. I think they're just going to, oh, here it is. Here's what it looks like. I don't think they're going to do any kind of big launch thing especially with uh coronavirus happening yeah yeah that's um that's a good point actually and yeah that's one thing that like i haven't even thought much about was that vibration thing and like how much i needed even for something like animal crossing and can't imagine what they do for like dreams or something on the on the ps5 cam uh what do you think about the the reveal of this controller this i week? thought it looks really cool um it definitely is reminiscent some for some reason i always think of the psp when i see this thing i think it may be because of the buttons <laughs> like the clear buttons but yeah i love uh, i have such a like uh, affinity for that 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 uh system so i i really dig in this controller and i like the chunkiness of it all um because my hands are really skinny and lanky so like i need, I need that because my hands cramp up on these ps4 controllers they're not super uncomfortable but I would like it to be a little wider, so I'm I'm all in for this. And what you yeah. guys said about the haptic feedback, I I uh, mirror those sentiments exactly. Yeah, it actually looking at it again now too, it definitely looks like the Xbox One controller in terms of like form factor, or even like the um, you know my, my Scuff Vantage Two, which is very chunky and takes a lot from takes a lot of design cues from something like the Xbox controller, which in my opinion is like 
kind of as close to perfect as you can possibly get. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see to see what the rest of the console looks like. And more than that, just like prioritizing the new experiences that each console is going to provide for the for the end user here instead of just being like different flavors of the same thing to some is this degree. um gonna but, um, be usb-c uh, yes i'm not is. sure Let me, it's uh, usb-c it is okay, okay. cool, cool. God. <laughs> yeah they, they've oh. held on to the the usb uh too long it was i mean you yeah, know the, those consoles came out right at the turn of the uh, uh you know usb-c becoming a thing that's you know, true. If, if they'd if they'd come out in like 2015, maybe we would have seen that. I don't know. Maybe 2016. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people forget yeah. it's been seven years since the PS3 and the yeah. uh, Xbox One launched um, in November. So USB-C wasn't even a twinkle in anyone's eye. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm very you know I have the Elite Series Two that uses USB-C, and I thought that was an interesting thing for microsoft they must have known obviously that the series x controllers would have usb-c in them um you know for them to just be like fuck it the ca- you're you're gonna need a usb-c usb-c cable to to charge this thing um was very interesting mm-hmm. when obviously the regular xbox one controllers uh still use micro um yeah, yeah. all right um uh, cool cam uh what story has caught your eye. Um, we got to talk about the 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 uh, all access subscription model for the next gen. I think that's really cool. Yeah, same. I mean, building off of the new generation of consoles right around the horizon. Oh my god, this article has an autoplay ad. With, <laughs> yeah, with, I hit with, the uh, same thing. Sound on. Oof. Uh, not that we know anything about that over at <laughs> Geo Media. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but this uh, this new um, Xbox Series X on the horizon is gonna apparently push the all-access subscription model that I believe already exists on current-gen Xbox uh, offerings. So this is taken from GameSpot, but um, yeah, Microsoft is reportedly working on a lower-cost next-gen also, which makes it interesting. Like, this is... I, I don't... Have they actually confirmed this? Like, I forget if they were if they confirmed the Lockhart. Well, it has no. They, it has there, a code been, name. There's so. been no confirmation. They anytime mm. they've been asked about it, they have dodged answering and just been saying that Series X is the console they're talking about now, which is uh, yeah. an answer that companies give when they have something in the works but they can't talk about it yet. Uh, I think yeah. I my prediction is that well again coronavirus throws so many things into whack but i think their original intention was to launch two SKUs and have a series s for example and a series x and having a um inter step between an xbox one and a series x um and launching both of those at the same time and having something where they have not only the most powerful console, but also the the cheapest console. And it would be cheaper, because I think PS5 is going to come under Series X in terms of price, but I think whatever Series S, if we're going to use that term, turns out to be, I think that will come in under the PS5. So they kind of corner both ends of the spectrum. We have the most expensive and most powerful, but we also have a really good console that's the cheapest thing if you're just trying to get into gaming. Um, all yeah. of this... It's think, just speculation on my part, though. Yeah, the same here. I'm, I'm about to spew a bunch of bullshit your way, so <laughs> I have no insider knowledge or anything. But I do think that like it feels like they're where 
they're way more concerned with getting people to stay within the Xbox ecosystem, but also to like convert new uh, people into the Xbox ecosystem, especially with something that they've already been doing for a while now with the uh, Xbox Games Pass, which remains the best deal in town in so many different ways. And I do feel like with Microsoft's future console iterations or offerings, those are going to be for the people who are like, idiots like me who are like, I got a 4K HDR TV and I want to like, I'm on the bleeding edge. But then there's also going to be not only the, whatever the Lockhart winds up being, maybe that's like a thing that we're not even seeing. Like maybe that's like a thing that they don't already offer, right? Because like, if it's going to be a lower end model of an Xbox Series X and like, seriously, what's the point that already exists? So I feel like the next thing they might introduce is like an even cheaper model that's like, you plug it into, um, you know, a really good internet connection and you basically have your Chromecast that also gives you access to the current Xbox Game Pass uh, lineup. So it's like, you know, buy this thing, buy this dongle basically and uh, plug it into your TV and then boom, you have access to the new Halo, the new whatever, assuming you have a, a connection strong enough to handle that and support it. But because, I mean, they've already taken that half baby step with the Xbox SAD, right? With the digital edition. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I'm super, super curious um, to see. And this seems like a really good deal, not for nothing, especially when you launch a, a console. It's, it's kind of notorious for new consoles to launch with very slim pickings. So I feel like in this case, um, having hopefully access to a large library of games, that problem is no longer an issue, especially if you consider like, I don't know, um, let's say cam wants to continue playing re3 on the whatever the xbox series x winds up being all he's got to do is push a button and he has access to that same library Mm -hmm. that he has Mm -hmm. already which is like kind of an appealing thing and i can already see the tides slowly turning if i'm like reading the tea leaves here no insider knowledge um i feel like microsoft is positioning themselves in really great ways in terms of accessibility and ease of use and like feels like they're just really trying to make up for the mistakes they made last time around, especially because, you know, ultimately in the end, their company, they want to make money. They want to have as many people as they can inside of their little home. So like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to talk about this kind of stuff to distract ourselves from a lot of this COVID stuff that will probably like Tom, you mentioned, will have some sort of impact, but, um, yeah, man, interesting way to, um, I guess, feature a really cool thing that I'm assuming, you know, Nintendo might not even be considering at this point because they're just selling Switches like hotcakes <laughs> and PS4 kind of offers that to some degree with the PS Plus. But like, um, yeah, they seem to be really leaning into that, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, actually. I think so. that Microsoft's game is not getting you to buy a certain console. It is, as you said, becoming a part of the platform. Whether you buy a console whether you even buy a Series X, you know, whether you buy a One X, whether you just get Game Pass uh, or you just get xCloud when that fully launches, um, whether you s- subscribe and use this uh, subscription model for all access or whether you buy everything individually, they just want you to have Xbox in your life in some way because if you have Xbox in your life some way, that is going to uh, determine the course of your gaming decisions. Um, I fully expected to just be like, I'm just getting a PS5 because, or at least at launch, because the exclusives are 
for me, the most important thing. But having my game library accessible via xCloud, having free games, you know, quote-unquote free games that I'm paying the subscription fee for every month with Game Pass, you know, it just, it, it, it influences my decision to when it comes to other aspects of gaming and pushes me more towards Xbox. And I think it's a genius way to approach uh, this, you know, console war, quote-unquote, which will always be here regardless of us wanting it not to be, right? Um, And, you know, them approaching it this way. And then also we'll see what their first parties do. You know, I'm very stoked for uh, Hellblade 2, because um, I love uh, Senua's Sacrifice on, uh, well, it was a PlayStation ex- timed exclusive at the time. Um, we'll see wh- how they net out with ex- uh, exclusive games a few years into the console cycle. But right now, they're putting themselves in an amazing position with, we're just trying to get you into an ecosystem. PlayStation doesn't have an ecosystem. They have a console. Um PS Now, they've bundled that, uh, bungled, sorry. Uh, That whole thing has been uh, a fiasco for them, despite the fact of it being a great deal. You can go play Spider-Man PS4 and not buy the game. You can go play, you know, uh, it's it's actually a really great service, but they did not message it well because it just kind of evolved over time and they changed the pricing and what it did first it was just streaming and now you can download stuff whereas game pass when it came out from the get from the fucking start it was this awesome deal and it was this thing that they said it's this thing every you know you pay this amount every month you can download all your games and every first party available at launch and that was from the moment that they announced game pass um so they them positioning themselves with the ecosystem versus just the console is i think a really fucking smart move and yeah righting the wrongs of the early days of the xbox one. Oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> remember those <laughs> um, got, yeah got a lot of work to do um all right cool and I, I i'm i have to pick this story i feel like you mentioned it right before we started up but um yeah cyberpunk 2070 2077 delayed to September when it was originally promised for April 16th, which is like right around the corner from now, unfortunately. But they seem to be really um, sticking to that goal of theirs with September, which leads me to believe that they're probably close to finishing this up. Um, But unfortunately, now it's coming out on September 17th, uh, five months later. So I'm taking this from Polygon. We are currently at a stage where the game is complete and playable. There you go. But there's still work to be done. Night City is a massive, full of stories, content, and places to visit, but due to the sheer scale of, and complexity of it all, we need more time to finish playtesting, fixing, and polishing. We want Cyber tw- Cyberpunk 2077 to be our crowning achievement for this generation, and postponing launch will give us the precious months we need to make the game perfect. So, um, all that being said, I'll be honest, I think Cyberpunk 2077 looks amazing, and I'm actually like, you know, very curious to play and see how they handle some of the stuff that they've also kind of messed up so far in some of the early looks at the game. Um, I'm curious how both of y'all feel about Cyberpunk being delayed and, um, you know, it officially not being um, something that we'd be talking about presumably like next week on the show, right? Um, how do you how do you feel about that, Tom, especially since you were the one who like suggested this story? Uh <sighs> Look, I'm not going to speak for CD Projekt Red when it comes to their, um, you know, where they are in development. 
I do feel, though, that The Last of Us is not the last game that is going to experience a delay, even if it is ready, um, because of the shipping. Uh, It's just, you know, shipping physical copies, which, despite a huge move to digital, is still a huge chunk of sales. And CD Projekt Red is not going to want to half-ass launch this game. And everything is just so unpredictable right now that to say we are confident that we can get this game out in uh, in September is uh, a little... I mean, again, it's it's very hopeful. It's it's very optimistic thinking. Again, I I'm, I don't work for CD Projekt Red. I have no idea where this game is in development. They say all they have left is polish, but um, I think we are so uh, unable to picture the state of the world by the end of the summer that I think that they should they'll probably end up hedging their bets and not releasing it in September. And getting something in July uh, or August saying, hey, we, we're going to wait a little bit, uh, maybe closer to holiday season, maybe release it in November. Because the beautiful thing about Cyberpunk 2077, that shit is going to sell like hotcakes no matter when you drop it. They, they don't need the, – this is not a game that they have to uh, plan strategically of, oh, when oh, – will it do better here? Will it do better there? It's going to do great no matter what. Obviously, there would be some fluctuations in sales based on when it drops, but um, I, I think they could push it further, and I think that if they can, they will. Um, yeah. yeah. For for a second there, I thought you said fluctuations, which is a really cool word that I'm going to just coin <laughs> here and, and now on the show. What, what did you say? Um, what did you so, think I said? <laughs> fluctuations. Oh, fluctuations. Which could be either fluctuations or fucked situations. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, Copy that. just make Fuck that a thing now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cam, how how are you? How are you on the uh, the fluctuations of Cyberpunk seventy seven as it stands? No, I right think now? Uh, Tom said it well. Like it's it, we don't know what this world is gonna be like in in a couple months. So I don't know how they can keep this. You know, like maybe they should come out and be like maybe September, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like just just give us a maybe but uh i mean if they're saying it with their chest then whatever also i think people need to like not be so like hurt by if it doesn't come out in september like you know like this shouldn't really mean much to the fans and stuff like it should just like relax yeah S- still save your money but like take it easy if they don't pro- uh keep up with their promise you know like i don't want to see people like calling for yeah. the uh the devs heads and shit when this doesn't come out <laughs> yeah for sure uh yeah please don't do that yeah. everybody everybody just chill um all right cool i say we just steamroll through the rest of the show yeah. here um i'll put in a break somewhere um but let's just jump into questions for the week uh if you have any questions for us please feel free to send an email directly to us at questions at the dash optional.com or you can drop them into our discord in our questions channel or if you're brave enough like a few people were this week, actually. Um, download the Anchor app, um, go to our profile, send us some voice messages. We want to hear from you. So uh, Danny's uh, question this week is, Tifa or Aerith, explain your choice. Um, Cam, I'll start you, with you. Where do you land in the Tifa You already know it's debate? Tifa all day. Simply because she's the round-the-way girl, you know, like she's, you know, tried and true. She's cool. She could fight um and she's just a baddie you know like she's just like 
the a total encompassing of like a badass human being you know like she's dope and i don't really fuck yeah, with Aerith like I, that to be honest <laughs> like yeah, i really don't i just actually. don't find I, I her interesting at all <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of that maybe maybe it's uh, tom's choice tom where do you land in this debate uh, i haven't gotten to any kind of major Aerith part uh she's just briefly met cloud in the game so far um that being said, we've gotten a lot of Tifa in the game, so I'm going to have to go with Tifa as well. I think also, like her, just like bare-knuckling uh, these <laughs> fights against giant robots is, uh, you know, major, major props to her. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd ha- I think I'd have to go with Tifa, and I like her dynamic with Cloud and her dynamic with Avalanche and her kind of being feeling caught between both of their those two sides with cloud not necessarily doing it for the right reasons and avalanche judging cloud for just being in it for the money um and yeah so i i can't make an informed decision because i haven't spent any time with Aerith, but i i really like tifa um and i look forward to getting to know Aerith as the game progresses yeah i mean y'all have said it all best um i'm tifa gang all day um i that's where my vote goes and y'all have explained it pretty well enough so we can just uh quickly move on all right uh bo writes in shout out to bo uh, gta 5 came out in 2013 and continues to be the most profitable game in history to the tune of six billion dollars do you think rockstar will still make single player games or just focus on online games right now uh, rdr2 started development before gta online was making money that's wild um uh, Cam, you, I think you played a fair share of both of these games. Um, what do you think? Do you think they're going to eventually return to single-player games or just sort of churn out content for the games that they already have? Uh, I think they're going to go um, to... that. I mean, I think they'll still put out single-player games probably even quicker now, now that um, uh, Homeboy's gone. Uh, what's his name? Dan? Um, oh, yeah. Hauser? Because um, didn't he like, step down or something like that? Um, yeah, so I, I think that maybe like they're, they'll go in a different direction, maybe not put as much care into the game. Like, I don't want to say care, maybe that's not the right word, but not as much like meticulous planning around it, you know, not every seven years or whatever they were putting out their games. But, uh, I think they'll still do single player games for sure. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Uh, 100%. Um, they, as you said, they, they've made so much money not only off of the online but they've made a huge chunk of money from the single player uh aspects of their games on top of that the single player part of the games is the gateway drug to getting you into gta online uh getting you into red dead redemption online um you would not have these audiences in these uh, services if you did not have those single player games uh, and I think that the people at Rockstar still want to make single-player games. We will see a GTA 6 that is a single-player with storyline, and we'll probably have just built stuff on top. Like, we'll see, like, GTA Online 2.0, where it's the same thing, but they've added a new map, and you can go back between the two, um, and, uh, you know, it's, mm. a, it's a huge revision, but it's the same, you know, basic servers and all that uh I, I i do disagree with cam when it comes to them making games quicker i do think we are probably seeing one 
major Rockstar game per generation. I think GTA 6 will be their big thing for next gen. And maybe they'll do that bully, re, you know, bully two. Maybe oh, they'll yeah. do like a smaller project, but we're not going to get like Red Dead three and GTA six next gen. It's going to be one yeah. or the other. Um, I think the timeline for these things are, is a lot longer. It will be uh, what well, Red Dead came out in twenty eighteen, right? So I think twenty twenty two, twenty three. We might start seeing GTA six. Maybe earlier if they started working on it already, but. Um, I think it's going to be a long time between single-player games, but yes, absolutely, they are going to keep making single-player games. Yeah, that was basically my answer. I think around 2021, 20, 22, we might start seeing like hints, uh, maybe like a logo or something of a GTA 6 or... Um, wait, what are they up to? Right yeah, I think you said yep. 6, right? Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, GTA 6, um, I feel like we're probably going to see it at the... <laughs> end of this upcoming console generation at this point um because you know they they tend to do the whole like overlapping thing at this point with rdr red dead redemption and grand theft auto so i would like to see a next generation uh gta especially with everything we're hearing about like solid state drives and you know more computing power and and all this other bandwidth stuff that i don't understand and teraflops and all that shit um so yeah i would like to see how they evolve that um but it's gonna be a long fucking time um all right cool so we got a couple voicemails this week uh this first one comes from uh jiang so let's uh hear what he has to say hey guys what happening is jiang you already know what it is belly of the beast no we out here nah (laughs) so lately i've been playing a lot of animal crossing and that's had me a lot on my switch and it's been great because I forgot how visually straining video games usually are. Like, I don't even play on my PS4 that much anymore because every time I do is some game with, like, 12-point font data entries like Control or Doom, and after an hour or two, I just can't take it because it hurts. Um, So is there anything that, you know, you guys can relate to? I don't know if you guys have bad vision like me or maybe... Another problem that you feel like designers or developers um, just kind of overlook. Because I feel like it's a lot of people in this camp. I don't know. Let me know. Be safe. Wear your mask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I feel like the older I get and the more I like play a lot of these games, especially like Switch ports in particular are like very bad at this in terms of like scaling type the right way, like fonts and stuff. I do feel like one thing that I wish games would try a little better, um, I think in general, I think like more um, movies and shows and YouTube videos, even especially YouTube videos are notorious at this, is like mixing their audio right. Because there are times where like dialogue can be really low and the action stuff is oh really God. loud. So the there's like there are times where I'm like, man, I just need to fucking plug in some headphones because my neighbors are going to murder me and my partner's going to murder me. So, like, I just wish... I mean, I think ultimately the answer is put on some headphones, but that, you know, there are times where, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I just want to relax on the couch and play a game. But that seems to be, like, one thing that I have a really hard time with. I wish more games would also prioritize frame rate more than anything, but, um, Cam, I'm curious to know what are some things that you wish developers would take yeah i mean account. speaking of like warzone man that's the loudest game in the world 
like all the <laughs> like, except for the actual action like yeah. the footsteps are so quiet but like the plane noise the airdrops the announcer is so loud so like yeah i agree with you on that stuff um i think one thing like we don't need so much like screen shake in games like that's like my biggest thing i get kind of motion sick especially the way i sit in front of my mm. big ass tv like it's too big for my room <laughs> so like i'm like right up on it pretty much um so like i don't know man I, I i get like screen shake is like the biggest thing for me i have to turn it off at like as you know or minimize it as much as i can if that's an option so that's always been like my biggest thing what about you tom yeah what about you tom um yeah i sit very close to my uh big screen tv uh i may be like three feet away from a 50 inch um that's on my desk uh so i don't have any kind of readability issues that a lot of people have when you know they're sitting uh far back um uh, but i do agree i think sound mixing is something that a lot of games overlook um so i would say yeah i agree with, with both of both of you but you know the these these developers do a lot of cool tricks to kind of seamlessly blend any kind of and smooth over any rough areas of their games um but sound is is certainly one of them that always seems to stick out for me yeah i would also say to 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 cam's point too like i wish developers would stop leaning so heavily and i get why they do it to like mask certain graphical things especially like load times and stuff but i do wish like we'd kind of cool it on the the blur the motion blur (laughs) like any chance i get i turn that shit down man yeah um, all right, cool. We got another question coming in from Danny, actually. So uh, here it is. Actually, no, this is what Danny's been doing during quarantine. So this is something that I've also been asking of our community. So please keep sending them in. Hey, so last time I did a voice message, I said that I was like watching anime and going on runs and stuff like that to deal with quarantine. And I still am. But another thing I've started doing in the last two weeks is like baking just a whole lot. We've been doing things like making bread, which isn't that hard. And I recommend doing, uh, we even did like a sourdough starter, which I don't recommend doing that shit sucks. <laughs> uh, and I mean, today's Easter, happy Easter, by the way. And, uh, we baked a whole bunch of stuff, even though it's just me and my mom and my dad at home. Uh, we baked a bunch of cookies, we made a pie, made some macaroons. Um, and it's been really fun. My mom is like an incredible cook and, I've been really trying to take this time to learn everything I can because generally I suck at baking, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, that's cool, man. I've also been hearing a lot of people make, like making bread at home, which is something that isn't that like bizarre in other countries, but in this country it's like, wow, like you're actually making your right. own bread. Um, yeah, I'm curious if y'all have dabbled in cooking more or even trying some new recipes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, just out of necessity, so I don't like break the bank. Like I've been trying to cool it on ordering food. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been like pretty much cooking every day. I'm like I'm not a terrible cook. I'm not great, but I'm not a terrible cook. I just don't like the art of cooking. Like it just takes too much time, and I want to eat now. So Same. I'd rather just like <laughs> be doing nothing and eat, <laughs> and like and then eat instead of like working really hard, sweating, and then getting the food. I don't know which one is more satisfying, but like just the way my brain works. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Tom? Um, my, honestly, my schedule hasn't, or my habits haven't necessarily changed too much. I've just been kind of diving more into um, 
uh, playing games, if I'm really being honest, uh, and trying to do some writing. Um, I cook a lot. Uh, that being said, uh, I have been like ordering a lot of food in the past few days because I just have never found an opportune time because grocery store trips are so long right now because mm. we all have to wait in lines. Uh, I just haven't found the opportune time to, uh, you know, go uh, get groceries. And so I haven't cooked in a few days. I've just kind of been ordering, which is not great. Um, but uh, I love cooking. I do really, really enjoy it. And uh, I'm actually a pretty good cook. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's me with that. Nice. Yeah, I've also been, we've been trying to cool it. Like we make grocery runs and stuff, but every once in a while we'll still like order in. But we make sure that when we order in, we order enough for like, two days mm. at least to like have leftovers for. So we're not completely, you know, breaking the bank either like Cam had mentioned, but also just trying to be responsible with who we're coming into contact with and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting dealing with all this stuff. But um, speaking of which Chase called in and uh, here's what he said. Hey, Paul and Cam, it's Chase. Uh, I'm coming to you from the back porch of my apartment north of Dallas, where I just finished up some lunch with my partner and my two cats. We're chilling. Uh, lately, I've been getting through quarantine by playing some old games. And by that, I mean King of Dragon Pass, which came out in 99, and Morrowind, which, God, 2001? Old. Um, it's nice to go back and play games that aren't exactly in the sort of cultural zeitgeist. I can revisit you know have my opinions but no one else is really talking about them on sites big twitter opinions anything like that so it's i don't know it's just nice i recommend if you have a a, an older game that you haven't gone back to play in a while do it it feels good not to have to have a take or get in the middle of all that anyway hope you all being well being safe thanks this is actually such a good point for me because there's like so time so many times we're like Everything I'm playing, I basically have to have some sort of like document open just based off the, you know, the nature of what I do. So I'm always like collecting my thoughts and like trying to wrangle them into like content ideas, which is has which has been like most of my experience with Animal Crossing so far. You know, it's like not my entire experience, but there is a huge difference in like knowing that I'm not on the card for like Doom Eternal and playing Doom Eternal. But like this is also a really good time, especially considering, you know, unfortunately, um, with games being delayed and pushed back, like with Last of Us 2 and Cyberpunk 2077, this is a really good time to like go back and see your back catalog. And like, I'm talking about like going way back, like like Chase is doing and playing like Morrowind and stuff. Like, um, yeah, I've, I've even, like I bought a Sega collection, like a Sega Genesis collection in particular. Um, and I've like been wanting to like revisit a couple old games, play a couple old Sega Genesis games that I even get around to. But um, I'm curious if either of you have had any like old games that have maybe crossed your mind during quarantine. Uh, Cam, is there anything that like has popped up on your mind that like you think you'd want yeah, to? Yeah, it's play? actually uh, interesting you said that. I forgot to put this on my list of what we've been playing, but uh, me and my buddies we've been playing uh, Earth Defense Force uh, 4.1, um, and we used to play this game. Oh, nice! I like maybe four or five years ago now um it came out before that i think it was like ps2 era game and then it re-released on ps4 um but yeah we've been enjoying the shit out of that like (laughs) the game is like notoriously like terrible looking but it's so much fun and and silly and it's there's no stakes to it you know like it doesn't feel like you just get around with your buddies and talk and like you know 
just level up it, it just feels really good to to do that without like you know like trying hard like in warzone i, I become a try hard sometimes or you know apex that type of thing like it's just i don't know it's very laid back and chill yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really yeah. cool to hear, especially like with a game like that. That's like easy to get into with friends. Um, Tom, what about you? Um, I don't really, I find it hard to kind of go back to to games once I've decided to kind of put them down. Um, it's been a part of my whole kind of thing where I want to play everything, but I know that I can't. And so when I am put a game down, it's kind of like, that's it. Um, that being said, if games continue to kind of be pushed back and not be releasing, um, then uh, I might dip back into uh, some of the old things. Something that came out last year that I like jumped into and I really liked, but um, I didn't uh, fit, get anywhere near to completing and might kind of uh, fill a void after I finish Final Fantasy Remake was uh, Devil May Cry 5. Um, I really think that that game uh, did so many awesome things, and I just it just got kind of got lost in the shuffle for me. So I might try and go back and play some more of the recent titles that have released in the last year or so that I didn't get around to finishing. Um, if if that does happen, but uh, I'm not really one to to do that and go and and jump in and, and play old games. I think I might play uh, replay The Last of Us in May when you know might do a stream where it's like hey last of us 2 is now let's let's go revisit the the og um so i think i might do that um but yeah not not a huge uh proponent uh for someone that uh goes back and plays these older games yeah, yeah. that's fair that's fair um all right cool jumping into our final section of the show here feeling it feeling it is where we take one thing that we absolutely love from the past week that we've stumbled across that we think is worth sharing um i might save one of mine for next week just for the sake of time and also just to give me a double for next week i've also talked about it i think in the discord before but um uh cam why don't you kick things Uh, off yeah so uh you know in quarantine we've been watching a lot of tv me and my partner um, and we decided to check out Hulu's new show called High Fidelity, uh, which was a it's an adaptation of a book um, that came out a uh, long time ago uh, by the same name by Nick Hornby. Uh, and then it was a movie in 2000 with like John Cusack and um, uh, what's her name? What's Zoe Kravitz's mom? <laughs> I can't think of her name. Oh, um yeah, Lisa, Lisa Bonet, Bonet was in it as well. So this show actually stars Zoe Kravitz, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but it's about cool. a woman who owns a record shop in Brooklyn. Uh, and two of her friends help her run it or whatever. And it's like a uh, a take on how she frames her failed relationships. So it's kind of like this kind of playlist of failed relationships um so it's a one of those shows that break the fourth wall so she's constantly you know changing to camera two and looking right at the uh, audience and talking to us about um what's happening in the scene uh and it started off like the first the pilot episode is not very good we were like this is some bullshit like this not it's not a good show at all but as it went along we ended up like <laughs> loving it um we finished the whole season in one day because um, we were so addicted to it. And Zoe Kravitz is amazing. 
uh, the cast, the, the, the cast um, is really good. And it's just really funny. The music is fantastic in it. Um, so she kind of always pairs like um, it's like always just like kind of like a music nerd kind of shows where you like they dive into like, oh, who's the who's your top five in this genre? This, this, this you know, kind of cool stuff like that. Um, it's a little pretentious, but I think that's on purpose. Um, I couldn't get into it for that reason because I'm not like I don't know who produced what and that kind of thing when stuff was created. Like I'm not that type mm. of new music nerd. I love m- good music, but I'm not into like you know this was recorded you know in in the fall of whatever. Like I don't give a shit about all that stuff. But it does that, um, and they kind of like uh, do commentary on that stuff. So it's it's really it's really good. But it's it's a really good show, um, and it's kind of cool to see the places that they go to in Brooklyn. Cause it's all like, I'm, it's all shot locally. So it's like, you see a lot of bars that we've gone to and, and stuff like that, which is really, really dope. Um, oh, cool. I, I definitely would give it a shot. The first episode, uh, give it, give it like two or three episodes and, and check it out. Yeah, I'll definitely really check this cool. out. I've also just started watching Dave. Uh, do you like it? Um, this past. Yeah, I'm actually liking it so far. I'm a few episodes in and um, I think the cameos alone yeah. make it worth it. I'm like, I just finished watching the second episode with like the memorial. Oh for my god! The um, which <laughs> I won't give anything away, but it I was not expecting that to happen, and it was kind yeah. of fun in that way. Um, but yeah, uh, Tom, uh, what you got yeah, for us? Uh, so something. This is kind of another plug, uh, not for my thing, but for someone else's. I'm actually today, other than doing this. And having Easter dinner with my roommates, I'm also shooting a commercial um, for a Kickstarter. um, And uh, it's a project called Blinks. It's by a company called Move38. I actually met them at last year's E3. They were at the Indicade. Um, It is a uh, smart tabletop game. They had done a Kickstarter last year that was very successful, and they're doing another one uh, coming soon where they're releasing more games. And essentially what this is is a tabletop game that is comprised of smart hexagonal tiles. And uh, each tile uh, has a game built into it. And if you connect it magnetically to a bunch of other blinks, you can teach that game to the others. So, um, And you play different games. So, for example, one of the games you can play is a game called Dark Ball. So you can attach the blinks as many as you want in any variation. Uh, And on both ends, uh, you have uh, a player. And when you press your blink a light travels across the path that you've made to the other player. And it's kind of like you have to pong back and forth, but you can create loops, you know, uh, that uh, in any kind of variation so that maybe it'll loop around, maybe it'll loop around twice, maybe it will actually double back and come to the player that sent the ball. So there's that game. Uh, There's another game called Speed Racer, which is where you build a track of the blinks and when you press the uh, initial blink, the light travels across the, tr- the track you formed. And you have to, once it's left a, a tile in the back, you have to move that to the front. And you k- kind of like snake. You're going to have to keep building the front of the track from the back pieces and kind of build out that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And uh, I kept running into them at different gaming events. I ran into them at Play NYC. I ran into them at PAX Unplugged last year. And uh, I really connected with the product 
and uh, we worked out a way for me to uh, shoot that Kickstarter commercial. And then when coronavirus happened, we figured out a way for me to shoot it uh, at home. <laughs> so that's what uh, I've been doing. And I actually think it's just a really, really cool thing. So if you just Google Blinks by Move 38, you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. And it'll be way easier to understand. And yeah, they have a, another Kickstarter for some new uh, games that they're releasing for it coming out. I don't know when that's happening. I think either end of this month, maybe the beginning of next month. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, uh, I think, if you're looking for uh, something that's interactive to do, but isn't necessarily a video game, like this is the the perfect combination of those two things. That sounds amazing, yeah. dude. I'm, I'm actually going to definitely yeah, Google absolutely. this later. Check so, it out. Uh, very, very cool. Um, all right, yeah, mine is really quick. Um, so NPR, they have a series called Tiny Desk, which is really, really cool. If you haven't checked it out before, you should definitely do so because they have a lot of really interesting artists, um, big and small, that come by and uh, perform basically like live sets inside of an office. But because of everything going on with COVID-19, um, they obviously have not been able to do that. So what they've been doing instead is basically setting up or having people set up uh, really um, kind of very lo-fi setups of musical artists from home. So they had one with like, I watched one with like Michael McDonald and then they had one um, that I'm sh- uh, shouting out today in, in particular um, with Black Thought of the Roots, the legendary Roots crew. Um, in my opinion, one of the, if not the greatest to ever do it, uh, he's just a complete mastermind when it comes to like lyricism and and just everything involved in the uh quote unquote art of rap <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah this black thought npr tiny desk at home video is really really amazing i think he does like three or four songs and like some like one of them is like a really great root song then another one is like something he did for uh, a musical that's coming up that's like has a really interesting premise and I hope that COVID-19 doesn't interrupt too much with this because I actually really want to go see it and you know he's had his hand not only in like a legendary uh, band for all these years Mm -hmm. and decades at this point but um, he's also had his hand in like the the Hamilton mixtape which you know has garnered a lot of love and and uh, praise but I'm actually really interested to see this new concept that he's working on and he explains in, in detail. So um, check it out. It's on YouTube. It's the Black Thought NPR, Tiny Desk at Home. And um, man, it is it is really, really great. I can't wait to uh, hear what folks think. And also just got me in a YouTube <laughs> yeah. rabbit hole of like freestyles the other day of like, especially his 10 minute funk flex freestyle from like, I think a couple years ago at this point. But um, it's, he's just like... Every time you watch him, it's like watching like a god sort of like walk amongst men. It's like everyone <laughs> gather around. Uh, god is speaking for a few seconds. When, uh, um, like he raps. But, uh, like yeah. I feel like I don't know words. You know, like I'm like, oh, you really know words. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he like he does like a small flex too. It's a very actually it's not small at all it's a huge flex he's like in his what clearly is like his office space and he's got like you know the grammy plaques <laughs> on the walls and like the platinum you know plaques on the walls and he's got like stacks of books that the grammys are on and like it's like all these books right it's like 
you know, everything you can imagine, it runs, it, it runs the gamut. And like, just clearly communicating to anybody watching this, like, I am so much <laughs> fucking smarter than you. You have no idea. Like, and it's really humbling to be like, shit, I need to pick up a damn book during this quarantine. I'm such a dumb, just watching YouTube videos and playing video games. But um, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. It's inspiring in more ways than one. And uh, it is truly, again, watching like, you know, a God amongst men. It is, it is some next level shit, man. Uh, he's seriously one of my favorite rappers and I've been listening to him my whole life. So just like seeing, seeing an example of a rapper who can actually age well and still have shit to say. And like, cause a lot of his stuff has always been really rooted in like political commentary and like, you know, just sort of, you know, just spreading knowledge and, and like, but just doing so in such a fucking beastly way it's so much fun to watch um so yeah highly recommend it can't recommend it enough but um all right cool before we wrap the show up tom thank yeah. you so much for joining yeah, us this week course. seriously thank you. yeah no seriously guys thanks yeah, for having man. me uh i'm a bit of a rambler so i apologize for for overly talking <laughs> at points but um i really am grateful for you guys having me on yeah of course, man. Of course, man. And uh, we have to, you know, obviously ask you to plug your yeah. Twitter, your Twitch, all that stuff. Anything you want to point our audience towards your stuff, which I, again, highly recommend everyone go doing so because Tom makes some really amazing stuff. So, yeah, go ahead Absolutely. and plug away. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my handle on everything is Great Britom. Uh, so Great Britain, but instead of ton, it's Tom. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Mixer is obviously the kind of thing that I'm focusing a lot of my energy in right now. So I'd love for you guys to check out my streams. Uh, Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Time is a guaranteed streaming time. I stream at additional points, but that's definitely one I'm going to be streaming. Um, and then the Unranked Podcast is uh, the other thing that I'm a part of. You will be able to find that through me and vice versa. Um, so, yeah, we're on all streaming, uh, sorry, all podcast platforms for that. Um, and we have a Discord and all, all of the connective tissue there is through the podcast. You'll be able to find it. Um, we would love to have you in our community. It's a really awesome one, especially if you're trying to buy and sell turnips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, cool. Uh, Cam, how can the people find you? Uh, always at uh, Cappy Can't Lose, C A P I C A N T L O S E on everything. Uh, how about you? Nice. Uh, I'm at Pauly Mayo. That's P O L I M as in Mario, A Y O. You can find me on uh, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. Go ahead and follow me. Feel free to say hi. I won't yell at you unless you're, uh, you know. You know what? If you call me a savage, I'm honestly kind of with it. I kind of like that. People mistakenly think that's like going to insult me, but I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> but um, thank you, everyone, for listening this week. If you have any questions or comments to questions at the-optional.com, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please be sure to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, all that stuff. And if you could please take an extra few minutes to rate and review us on iTunes, especially really helps us spread the word especially during these times when i'm sure people are looking for new gaming podcasts to listen to so yeah please check us out on there and, and show us some love it really goes a long way our homepage is the optional podcast.com as we can find our show share it with your friends we're on twitter at the optional nyc um our show's music is by the one and only levi pack you can find them on twitter at underscore l-e-v-i-p-a-c-k so uh 
Until next time, everyone, peace. Peace.